Welcome to the Weiner Milk Podcast, where we rewatch and review nostalgic movies and media from our childhood to see if they age like wine or like milk. I'm Kyle. And I'm Jess. And today I am nominating probably the most obscure film I've ever nominated for this podcast, maybe the most obscure film we've ever watched. It's called The Page Master. Has a crazy all-star stacked cast, but it didn't get that great reception, which I am now realizing as we're like researching this, but I loved it as a kid. I loved it. I watched it a ton of times. And then I told my mom that this is what we were watching for this episode. And she got super excited. She actually like forgot that it existed and then was like, yes, I can't believe you're watching it. So (laughs) wait, what's your mom sound like? Oh, my God, I can't believe you're watching it. (laughs) Your mom's Christopher Walken. Oh, my God, I've never put two and two together. (laughs) (laughs) I have never, ever heard of it or seen anything about it. And the fact that Whoopi Goldberg and Christopher Lloyd are in this and I haven't heard about it makes me concerned. It's terrible. Macaulay Culkin, Christopher Lloyd, Whoopi Goldberg, Patrick Stewart, and I think Leonard Nimoy as well. Yeah. Yeah, there's a problem then if I haven't heard of it. that, That gives me like really big red flags. Like, you know, like the big red flag they like wave at the bull to charge at you. That's how big it is. That's how that's how big this red flag is for me. Yeah, it's 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 uh, it's concerning. It's concerning for for baby Kyle and his nostalgia because uh, I don't think baby Kyle had the best taste in movies. I'm starting to think not. I'm starting to think not, which is a problem for this podcast, because going into it, I was like, oh, my God. I've got all these dope favorites, like Free Willy and the Page Master. And now I'm like, oh, my God, what was wrong with me? Well, we haven't seen the Page Master yet. <laughs> Do you remember when we first started dating and like a typical, not to stereotype my own gender, but girl, I didn't want to make decisions about what we were going to watch. So yes. then I let you pick all the time. Yes. And then they were all terrible. Oh, come on. What? And then you started to have to like research before you recommended oh, movies. Well, OK, yeah, that happened. That did happen. Yeah. Well. Not That's how we found them. Chef, though. It is how we found how Chef. how we found Chef. But not all of them were terrible. You just have a particular style. Like, Her and uh, Melancholia, those are movies that were received well. You, They're just not your, your favorite. Hated Melancholia. It was a little weird. Hated Melancholia. And Her was just... It wasn't for me. I liked that one. It wasn't for me. And la- like Lady Bird, I think those are all in like the same time frame. And you were like, you got to stop. <laughs> Lady Bird, we know how I feel about slice of life movies. But apparently I have dishonored the king, Timothy Chalamet, by saying I don't like that movie. Oh, I love him. I really do. Anyway, The Page Master. Like I said, I don't really remember much about this one, except that I loved it as a kid. It's a really interesting one, though. I'm assuming that the majority of people listening to this episode have never heard of this movie. It's really interesting. It's a combination live action cartoon animated film. Real people and cartoons. I want yeah. to see what cartoon you would look like. I know, right? That's that's the best part is Macaulay Culkin get, gets like an actual Macaulay Culkin lookalike animated parallel. Pretty, Pretty cool. cool. Reminds me of like Chalk World. Yeah, but a little bit better drawn. Okay. <laughs> I think there's a dragon and a wizard and, yeah. a, and a whale. So, so what I'm remembering... Yeah, tell me, do you remember a lot or not really? I feel like I remember a pretty good amount of it because it was a kind of simple film in a way because it's a kid's movie, you know? What I remember about it is that Macaulay Culkin, I think he's like kind of shy and like he doesn't have like, he's not very courageous because mm-hmm. there, if I'm remembering correctly, there's a scene with him on a bike and he's trying to go off a jump and he's like too nervous to do it and like maybe he gets bullied for it or something. 
he goes to the library, and I'm pretty sure Christopher Lloyd is at the library as, like, a real dude. He looks like a crazy librarian. Like, you know how they have mad scientists? Yeah. He, instead of being a mad scientist in this role, like Back to the Future, he's a mad librarian. Mad librarian. Mm -hmm. And then he, Macaulay Culkin, like, gets locked in it or something, and then at night, it turns into, it's like Night at the Museum, except he gets sucked into the books and it's animated. And I think he, like, he gets some books as friends. And then they travel through classical stories, I think. Like, I think it's, like, Gulliver's Travels or Gulliver's Island or whatever that book is and stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And they are, like, gallivanting through these different ones as he, like, learns life lessons and grows up, gets back to the future and is able to be courageous. Or back to the future. Back to the real life. <laughs> back back to 3D. And, um, 3D. Well, yeah, I, that's what I remember about it. And I, I remember as a kid, I just loved that animated, like, thing, like, the fantasy world that it was in, and I thought it was so cool. And so that's why there's, like, dragons and stuff, is because they're just, like, going through literature. Gotcha. Okay. Okay, I'm processing. One thing, I think him and Matilda would hit it off. Yes. They would be boyfriend-girlfriend together forever. That's what made would me Would you be my valentine? This. Yeah. Watching Matilda was like, oh, my God, I forgot this movie existed. Triggered it in my brain, and I was like, I gotta watch it again. Boom. Two, what I'm thinking is, I like this concept because I feel like it personifies what it's like to read a book where you're imagining things in your head yeah. by, like, portraying it through animation. Yeah. That's what I'm imagining ha is happening, though, is him reading the book and imagining it. He's not really going into the book and becoming an animated person. I don't remember. If the movie was a metaphor. You know what I mean? Yeah, I can't remember if it presents itself as a metaphor if he, or, or not. Do you really get into the actual books he's reading? Like, do you really get into, like, the plot of those books? Or is it, like, is it more like... It's kind of like Kingdom Hearts. I was I just about to say Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> or is it more like... Where you dive in and it's, like, a quick snapshot of a scene, maybe. And mm -hmm. you, like, live out that snapshot. And then you, like, you're on to your next story. Yeah, I couldn't remember the name of the movie, the, the game. I was like, Sora... <laughs> what is something the little dark things that come out and you have to fight them the heartless yeah those guys yeah oh that's why it's kingdom hearts uh kind of yeah yeah <laughs> i'm excited i'm excited to watch you be excited about it but i don't have high hopes yeah i mean before i like looked up any information on it to get ready for the podcast i was like oh my gosh i remember loving it i looked at the cast i was like holy crap what the hell but then I realized that kind of like Matilda, it actually had a very, very similar budget, about 30 million ish. But unlike Matilda, which almost made back its money, this movie did not. So it had a budget of 34 million dollars and it only grossed 13.7 million. And like you were saying, with a cast of Macaulay Culkin, Christopher Lloyd, Whoopi Goldberg and Patrick Stewart and Leonard Nimoy. That's not great. Yeah. It's not great. <laughs> I also looked up, this is this movie is post-Home Alone 1 and Home Alone 2. So he already had the big name, Macaulay Culkin. It's not like this is his first rodeo. Yikes. And even then, after he was probably the most famous child actor of that time, he still couldn't pull it in. Yeah. And, so. and you know, it, it's like kind of pre-internet. So it couldn't even get like panned universally online and stuff and get like really slammed. It was all magazines and stuff. Maybe it would be a meme now. Like now people will go see it because of the meme. Well, th that's the thing, too. I don't know if I've ever seen like a meme or any reference to this online 
There's like no inside jokes about this movie. It's so bad it's not even a joke <laughs> movie. It's just really bad. So like, I mean like just based off my memory and my mom was wicked excited. She said that she liked it. But you know, she's a parent. She probably just liked watching it. also said she didn't us. mind Free Willy when you were a kid. But the, I think that's like when you're an adult, it kind of like because your kids love it, it colors your perception of it a little bit, you know, and you're just also so excited for them to shut up for an hour. My favorite thing about talking about Free Willy with your parents is your stepdad was like, oh, yeah, I remember watching when he was watching Free Willy as a kid. I come in the living room and that that thing would be going on. And then I come back like 20 minutes later. It's the same scene. And I'm like, oh, wow, it's still happening. huh? Yeah. Anyway. So, yeah, you know, maybe I, this will be our new Free Willy. It, it could be. I'm ready for that change. So, like, I think we're we're both saying this pretty damn explicitly at this point. But, like, if I had to guess, this is a milk. I want to guess this is a milk. And I, I like to go on optimistic, especially for ones that I don't know. But the fact I've never heard about it and all these people are in it, I'm automatically like, it's the running of the bulls, you know? Yeah, it's uh, it's not filling me with confidence right now, but I would love to be surprised because I loved it as a kid. I really did. And I said this at the end of the last episode. It's one of those fun ones for this podcast where I watched it all the time, like literally all the time as a kid. But then I don't think I've seen it since I was like eight. Yeah, I don't trust eight-year-old Kyle on this one. I'm sorry. So yeah, I have, I have no idea how it's going to do just based on the facts that were like the very cursory look that we're doing online. I don't think it's going to age that well, but I'd love to be surprised. And at the very least, we get to hear some really, really iconic actors and their and their voice acting, which will be kind of fun. Yeah. If you had to be put into any book from our childhood, Page Master style, which one would you want to be put in? Like, probably the easy pick is Harry Potter. Oh, yeah. Easy winner. It's really tough to think of one that would one up that. No, that's fair. That's fair. It's just like it's it's like that cheating pick, you know? Yeah, but it's honest. It's good for a reason. Yeah. Like the Hobbit. No way. I'd die. Yeah. Would yeah. want to be in that one. And like the nice thing about Harry Potter is like a good amount of people are magical and powerful. Like. If you're like, you know what, I'd like to be in Lord of the Rings, you're probably a dude that shovels poop for a living and then gets killed by an orc. I wasn't supposed to tell you this, but you are living in Harry Potter. <laughs> you're just a muggle. <laughs> Wait till we have children when they turn 11. I'll have to tell you all about it. I always did hold out hope that like I was, you know, magic was real. <laughs> I mean, Like recently cool. I had a dream that magic was real and I could cast spells. And in, in my dream, I wasn't surprised at all. It wasn't like, oh, my God, I can't believe magic was is real. I was like, yes, this is real life. <laughs> <laughs> Just tells me about your ego. Yeah, honestly, I used to have dreams that I could float down the hallway at mm-hmm. school, like all the time. And I would wake up and like actually be convinced that I could do that. I think you just need to buy a pair of Heelys real bad. I would just jump and then I could just like go forever and I could like sit on my side and stuff and like do poses and just like continue down the hall. Like Peter Pan style, I guess. Yeah, actually. Weirdo. I think I get way too into the things that I watch and read. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, uh, what would you pick actually? Outside of Harry Potter, what would you pick? Because I stole that one. Yeah, no, Harry Potter is an easy one. Probably my favorite book from my childhood, obviously. But um, this is going to be really random. I'll go as obscure as your page master. Okay. Uh, I read this book as a kid called The Last of the Very Great Wang Doodle by, oh, yeah. by Julie Andrews. Yeah. And I love that book as a kid. And I would like to go into that world and go to Wang Doodle Land because it sounded awesome. I'm like trying to remember what books other than Harry Potter would be like appealing to go live in. 
And it's I'm, I'm coming up pretty blank. I read a lot of boxcar children. But I don't want to be an orphan either, so. Yeah. Ooh, uh, the the treehouse one. What was that? The magic, the magic treehouse. Magic treehouse. That was a fun one. Never, they could go to, like, Pompeii and stuff. Never got into that one. No, I did. I did, like, the weird animal, like, the lamb in the laundry, puppies uh, in the pantry. I thought you were going to say the Animorphs, and that is definitely one I would want to go to. <laughs> I would love to be an Animorph. I just got a snapshot memory of reading one. Oh, man. It was pretty intense. I would not want to go to Goosebumps. No. Anyway, no. Page Master, does he go to any horror stories? I'm struggling to remember. I'm struggling to remember. All right, tell me about the movie. So maybe we can get... there's like a Frankenstein one, maybe? I can't remember. Anyway, some facts? Yep. You want some fast facts? Fast facts. All right, directed by Joe Johnston and Maurice Hunt, which is really cool. Dual directors because Joe Johnston directed the live action segments and Maurice Hunt directed the animated segments. Remember Pretty the movie cool. Mouse Hunt? No. Okay, sorry. Produced by... <laughs> I just heard the name Hunt, and it had me thinking, sorry, not the time or place, not the time or place. Back to the page master. It was produced by David Kirshner and Paul Gertz. The screenplay is by David Cassie? Cassie, maybe? I would say Caskey. Caskey. David Kirshner and Ernie Contreras. Uh, Contreras. I gotta make the font bigger here. Story by David Kirshner and David Caskey. And then starring Macaulay Culkin, Christopher Lloyd, Whoopi Goldberg, Patrick Stewart, Leonard Nimoy, Frank Welker, Ed Begley Jr., and Mel Harris. Music by James Horner. Oh, Kyle, who did the cinematography? Oh, you're so rude. Like it's you Alexander Krasinski. Boom. See, I'm not rude. And uh, yeah, came out on November 23rd, 1994. Right in time for Turkey Day. And it is 75 minutes, which is an hour and 15. I did it. I did it. I did it. You really tried to beat me to it. I did. Oh, I didn't know that Leonard... Leonard Nimoy. Nimoy was Spock. Yeah, which so is cool. and Patrick Stewart were buddies then. Yeah, isn't that kind of neat? Probably a friend hookup. I had to Google him real quick. Friendly little hookup. Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm reminding myself who the other people are. Like, this is, a, this is not a joke of a cast. It's kind of wild that this didn't do better. I'm thinking that the writing was terrible or the execution was terrible. Yeah, I mean, it's it's got to be. It's got to be. I'm excited to hear the music, though. You know? 75 minutes. That's nice and fast. I it's like really it. really quick. I'm really into that. <laughs> it's going to really be a wine just time. for that. <laughs> that might actually up the up the, the ante for me. But if the pacing sucks and it's only 75 minutes, they're done. I mean, we've been watching uh, Peaky Blinders. We just started that. And it's basically it was, one episode. Is... I know. The episodes are like 62 minutes sometimes. This is basically almost just a little bit over a Peaky Blinders episode. Oh my god, that's what I'll rate it. This is this is the thing. If the Page Master... Yeah. If, if I could have spent my time better by watching a Peaky Blinders episode than watching Page Master, then it's going to be milk. It's not a very hard bet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm Peaky off. Blinders is pretty well acclaimed. Uh, this movie... Not so much. No, I'm not going to. I won't judge it that way for real. But I'm going to be thinking in the back of my head, I could have watched an episode of Peaky Blinders during this time. Yeah. And apparently this the 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 studio that did this, what were they called? Uh, Turner, Turner Feature, Feature Animation. Animation. So Turner Feature Animation apparently tried to do another animated movie, I think, called Cats Don't Dance. And that one apparently didn't do very well either. So, yikes. Never Poor heard guys. of that one either. Anyway. The Page Master. Maybe Baby Kyle will have good taste in the movie for once, and uh, this will end up being a wine. But right now, 
Let's turn the page and move on to the next chapter. Oh God! Of this podcast. Oh God! <laughs> That's how I imagine the reaction oh, to the movie's gonna be. I am so sorry, you guys had to listen to that. All right, we'll see you. Uh, That's a we'll see you on the other side. <laughs> Well, at least it was really short. An hour and seven minutes of actual story. An hour and 14 with credits. I think even less than that, because it had a exceptionally long opening credit scene. It did. And what did you think? I know you love to comment on the opening credits. What did you think? It was too long. They, they, they just like kept going. It was like five minutes where they like slowly just like dripped a name here and there. But the opening scene where it had like the swirly cloudy thing doing like plot like set pieces and stuff from from the movie was like okay i don't know it was it was what i wrote down was it's it's not anything to write home about (laughs) the opening credits (laughs) yeah (laughs) what did you feel like watching it back if you haven't seen this in so long and it was a staple of your childhood like how did you feel watching it conflicted i could see why a little kid would like it Mm -hmm. and i think that's potentially some of the strongest places that I could give like positive feedback about this movie is that the bits that were for little kids were like, okay enough. They weren't overly pandering like some other movies were, but like they also didn't really do much else. But like, I could see why I liked it. Like it was fun. It was animated. The characters were silly and cute. Some of the one liners were funny, you know, did it bring back childhood memories? It did, for sure. Yeah, like I was watching it and I was like, okay, I know what happened now. Yep, I'm remembering all of this. Like the exit sign. Mm-hmm. That was actually one of my favorite parts of the whole thing was the exit sign being like their North Star. Their North Star. Yeah. I thought that was super cute. It was super clever. Like, uh, I don't want to get too much into this, but I, as an adult, more than anything, I left this movie just like honestly feeling a little frustrated mm-hmm. because it had some really fun ideas. It had some cool implementations here and there, but I think overall there were it, it, at times it just failed to deliver on those. And that was just like I said, it, it was like frustrating more than anything. Yeah. It made me want to watch The NeverEnding Story. Yeah. Pretty badly. And this came out after that. So I'm wondering if they were trying not to like rip off parts of it. This came out after a lot of stuff that A, should have helped it be better and B, I think it was getting heavily inspired by, and it just couldn't couldn't deliver on. But like the fact that it had Macaulay Culkin, Christopher Lloyd, Patrick Stewart, uh, Whoopi Goldberg, Leonard Nimoy, all of these people in in their heyday, in their in the height of their fame, man, they should have just spent more on the writing budget instead of the acting budget. Honestly, I think that's a big part of it. Is it felt incomplete to me. Oh, it, oh yeah. It felt like they got 80% of the way through, maybe even less, <laughs> like the storyboarding 60? process. 60%. And then there'll be some pirates. It. And yeah. then, you know, he'll just feed them and then he'll move on to the dragon. Like that. that's like the storyboarding in my head. That's what I'm imagining. Yeah. It, but why don't you give us the run through so that we can dive into some of those scenes specifically that, you know, we're we're struggling with, I think. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I just wanted to 
Because you were very excited about it, and I feel like you had a lot more energy at the intro before we watched it, and you look and sound <laughs> deflated. Well, yeah, I mean... But you have sad Kyle face on right now. It Even was... your hair is wilting. <laughs> well, that's the weather. Um, <laughs> it was fun to watch. It was really fun to revisit. But I think the thing, the reason maybe I'm feeling the most deflated is just, like, looking at it as a movie it's really hard to say, like, I would ever recommend this to anybody, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> which so, is really that's such a strong statement. It is. And that's what's really sad is because, like, I loved it as a kid. I have really great memories of it. And watching it now, I, I, it wasn't terrible. It was so short. Like, it, it was a nice jaunt down memory lane. But if you don't have that, that's where it starts to really start to fray at the edges, um, which is unfortunate. Fray at the edges. I, I just, like, completely unravel. I think would be more. Well, yeah, what it frays and then it, it, that fray continues to fray and then that frays and then all I just, of a sudden it's, it's a pile just a lump of string. Of string. On the floor. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I feel about this movie. A pile of string on the floor. Yeah. So okay. Like, like I said, r- give us the rundown. Let's let's talk about this remarkably fast movie and all of its plot points or lack thereof so that our, our listeners can understand what, what we just watched. Okay. Maybe we can as well. I honestly, some of it, I was kind of confused. In the beginning, like, they did not set up what was about to happen well at all. Yeah. Okay. So, it opens. It opens. It opens. And it is opening credits. And there's, like, a a weird smoky dragon coming out of the mist. And then that turns into something else, into, like, a pirate ship. And then that turns into something else, like, a haunted mansion-type looking thing. There's, like, a bunch of shapes being formed in smoke while all of these famous people's names come up on screen, like Macaulay Culkin. Yep. Otherwise known as opening credits. Otherwise known as Kyle <laughs> so fondly likes to discuss. I would say, though, like right off the bat from the opening credits, I was like, wow, the animation isn't great. Yeah. Well, get, well I, I want to talk about that a lot. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll I was talk about that. kind of disappointed from the jump. And, and like I'm saying that as someone who's seen other cartoons in the 90s, and I'm not judging it against animation today. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Anywho, opening credits, all of a sudden, out of animated land, baby Macaulay Culkin, actually a little bit older Macaulay Culkin from Home Alone, yeah, slightly older Macaulay Culkin, wakes up because there's a thunderstorm. And we very quickly learn that I think the clinical term is safety freak. Is that the clinical term? I think that's the clinical term. In your social work background? Mm Mm-hmm, in my mental health professional background. (laughs) Safety freak. No, I'm just kidding, obviously. No. It's not in the DSM. <laughs> but he has like a little high voltage sign next to his outlet in his room. And he has all these like break glass in case of emergency. He's got like a pair of boots hanging on the wall. This is why it's so frustrating. This is so cute. was hilarious. It had such great attention to detail. It was so promising. Like he literally has multiple fire extinguishers. And then one of the fire extinguishers is one of those glass cases that says break in case of emergency. And then he had directly next to it a pair of boots that says, like, wear in case of glass. It was so over the top for this little kid. And it was funny. Like, it, it felt like it was going somewhere. It I was loved great. It. it was a really good intro. I loved it. It reminded me again. I love those opening scenes where they kind of pan around a room and you get to learn about the character. Yeah. Those are my favorites in movies and most probably well done in Back to the Future. But this was a pretty it, close second. It had the same vibe. Yeah. That's exactly what it invoked in me. And it was... It was well done, and unfortunately, it was probably one of the only well-done scenes in the movie. The the beginning was strong. 
The beginning was the really beginning was, strong. Was pretty strong. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so he's scared. He runs out of his room to go find his parents. We find out he's ten years old because. His parents are talking mad shit about him Yeah, in the bedroom. And Macaulay Culkin, a.k.a. Richard, hears all of this. And they're basically saying he's a scaredy cat. Yeah. And his dad is frustrated. He's trying to be a good dad and raise him in the way he knows. Apparently, he joined, like, the baseball team. And he freaked out all the players saying that shin splints can lead to blood clots. Yeah. And, like, if you get hit in the head with a ball, you can develop a brain tumor. And he, like, brought a medical journal into practice and freaked all the kids out. So we learn he's very overly cautious and knows a lot of statistics about accidents. Yep. So anyway, he's trying to assist his dad in building a treehouse, but Macaulay Culkin, a.k.a. Rich, I'm going to keep calling him Macaulay Culkin, which is bad. Rich, he's scared of his treehouse. He doesn't want to use the ladder to climb up the treehouse. He's scared of heights and ladders and trees. Yeah, so it's a trifecta <laughs> of fear for him. <laughs> I'm not going to hate on him because he he is a 10-year-old, but he does some pretty incorrect statistical math here. Yep. Because 8% of all accidents involve ladders and another 3% involve trees. And he says that puts him at an 11% chance of risk. Not how it works. Not how it works. But I'll give him a pass because he's 10 years old and he's very cute. Um, but I think actually it could help his anxiety to explain yeah, you how know. those statistics work. It could. Anywho, Macaulay Culkin, Culkin, Rich, shit. Rich, I'm going to keep calling him Macaulay. I know it. It's so bad. Richard Tyler. Richard Tyler. RT. He, he doesn't want to go up in the treehouse and climb. So his dad is like, the least you can do, go down to the hardware store down the road, buy a pound of nails. Yep. Which seems like a lot of nails. Mm, not really. For a whole treehouse? And he was really nailing that thing. It was like, all of the nails were like millimeters apart to make it Super very safe. stable. <laughs> I feel like that would actually make it worse because you're splitting the wood in so many places. Yeah, maybe. It might actually make it like similar to shin splints that can turn into yeah. big fractures. Yeah, exactly. Kevin Ware. Anyway. I, you, oh, man. That's <laughs> what I was thinking of when he said the shin splints. I, I don't know if I'll ever get over that. That was horrifying. I never saw it. And I never want to see the video. Anywho, Rich is like, okay, fine. I'm scared to go to the warehouse by myself. I mean, the hardware store by myself, but I'll do it. So he gets into this tricked out bike full of safety features. Yeah. There's like a flag in the back. It's like constantly playing the backup sound. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so annoying for my ears to listen to. But again, this is where the movie was still pretty strong. Yeah. It, like the characterization, it was quirky and stuff. It was still pretty good. He has like a safety shield in front of his bike. It's all in that bright neon yellow for yeah. cars to see. He's got a little bumper. He's wearing, like, a construction vest, so he's, like, hyper-reflective. Like, everything. It's out of control. Yeah. Kind of cute, though. Kind of cute. To be fair, I thought he would have training wheels on. Nope, he does know how to ride his own bike. That is a a plus. So he took a risk there. He did. To learn how to ride without training wheels. This is pretty cool. So he's on his bike. Some neighborhood kids taunt him. They want him to go over this ramp they built. He's too scared to do it. He is riding his bike, and all of a sudden, the storm comes from out of nowhere. And it's a pretty intense lightning storm. It's literally hitting trees like around him. So yeah, I would be scared scared here. I would be scared. This is reasonable fear. And he's like going through this creepy tunnel and like the rain is coming down. Lightning's hitting the ground and he takes refuge in the public library. Which was a dope library, by the way. A creepy library. It was super nice. Yeah. It was huge. Also very creepy. It was like a university library. Our university library was crappier than that. Yeah. Like one of the, like really old university library. Like Harvard level yeah. library. <laughs> I wrote this in my notes. I when I was a kid, we would go to the library a lot. Mm-hmm. 
because it was like the little reading afternoons and then like a brand new playground was put in when I was young. And uh, I used to call it the library. Library? <laughs> like B-E-R-R-Y. That's, That's what cute. I thought it was called. I like that. Anyway, the librarian is Christopher Lloyd. Yep. Mr. Dewey. I liked that name. Oh, I actually missed his name, Mr. Dewey. Mm-hmm. That's good. Like Dewey Decimal. That's good. Yeah. Good name. Good name. So Christopher Lloyd is like, you want to read a book? He's trying to guess all the things that Rich might be involved, like, like and enjoy. And Richard is like, no, I just need to call my parents and tell them where I am. But he gives them a library card anyway mm-hmm. and tells them where to find the public phone. So as Rich is, like, walking back to the public phone, he, like, looks up at the ceiling and there's this, like, ginormous, like, very well done, beautiful mural. That's probably the other place that the budget went for this movie. Because that looked like a real painted thing. It did. It looked it looked real. They didn't, like, CGI that crap on there. No, I don't think so. So he's looking up at the ceiling and there's this mural and there's, like, this one scene of, like, dragons and then there's another scene of pirates up there. There's, like, this creepy mansion with this, like, black demon behind somebody. And then, oh, there's a there's this, like, person on the ocean with, like, a, a whale that's on there. And then the last one in the middle is, like, this weird-looking wizard. That looks suspiciously like the librarian he just saw. I don't... See, I looked for that to see, and I didn't think it looked like Christopher Lloyd. Oh, I saw it. And it didn't, didn't jump out to me. Hmm. Anyway, he's staring up in amazement at this mural. And this is officially the moment where this movie took a turn for me. And I no longer enjoyed it. This is the pinpoint. I can point to where it started to get crappy. Richard's coat is dripping wet. Yeah. From the rain. And he slips on it and falls and gets knocked out. Yeah. And then when he wakes up, an undisclosed amount of time later... There's, like, paint dripping down on him from the ceiling. Mm-hmm. And it turns out the mural on top is dripping paint. And all of a sudden, these drips become torrents of paint, and we switch over to, like, animation. And one, I have issues with this because I don't like this explanation of how things become animated. And two, the animation was terrible. Oh, I actually thought it was okay. I didn't... I Well, okay, sorry. I thought that the special effects of the dripping paint and, like, then the library slowly turning into a drawing was okay. It aged actually kind of, like, way better than I thought it would. Okay. But then when they, yes, definitely, when they transitioned into animated world, um, it left a lot to be desired. Yeah. I just struggled because I feel like Who Framed Roger Rabbit did a mix of live action and animation together a lot better. Yeah. Which was probably around the same time. I think it might have even been earlier. <laughs> yeah, that's a great one. We should do Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Scene. We should. Um, anyway, so the paint is dripping, and then it starts to like chase Richard throughout the library, and eventually, yep. like, it becomes like this this color wave, essentially, that's chasing him down, and it swallows him. Next thing we know, Richard is animated. He's like, "I'm a cartoon," and all of a sudden, this mysterious page master type fellow, who is the wizard from the center of the mural, mm-hmm. comes over and goes, "No." You're an illustration. <laughs> and then he basically explains that in order to get back out of this animated world, he has to go through fiction A to Z and face three tests of horror, adventure, and fantasy to get home. Yep. I should have mentioned earlier that the librarian was telling Richard when he was getting concerned about finding the phone and getting lost in the library to look for the exit sign. Yeah. If he ever gets lost, which will then happen throughout the 
movie where the exit sign while Richard is animated is kind of like the North Star to get a, getting out of the library. Yep. Animated library. So essentially, yes. Page Master says you have to pass these three tests, horror, adventure, and fantasy, to get home. And this is where animated Richard is kind of stumbling through the shelves, and he runs into this book named Adventure. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a cool scene where you start to see all these books on the shelves, like very classic book names are coming out and hopping out at you. And when you open a book, things from the book start to like kind of come out. Yeah. We first realize this because the adventure book wants Richard to climb a lo- the library ladder to get a better view. And he doesn't want to do it because he's scared of ladders. So adventure book opens this like thousand leagues under the sea book. 20,000 leagues under the sea. Yeah. Yeah. I should probably <laughs> know that number. Um, and like these waves and the squid comes out and it forces him to like climb to higher shelter. Yep. That was kind of a cool way to introduce that the books have things coming out of them. Yeah. Again, one of these places where it's like an interesting idea and then it just doesn't really go anywhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but then we meet another book named Fantasy. So Adventure looks like a pirate. That book, he's like an yeah. animated book, but he's dressed up like a pirate. He has like a pirate at, like an eye patch. She's got a hook for a hand. Peg leg, a sword, peg leg, bandana, yeah. all that. Five uh, o'clock shadow. <laughs> and then the fairy book, voiced by Whoopi Goldberg. It's like this purple, whimsical-looking book, and it can fly, and it has a wand, and glass slippers, and... Mm-hmm. I just gotta say, just, like, right now, Whoopi Goldberg was so good. She was really good Her, uh, her and Macaulay, Col- Macaulay Culkin did, the, I think, the best voice acting throughout the whole movie. Hers, I just really loved how she, like, turned on the sass at times, but then she was like, oh, wait, no, I have to be, like, comforting and, like, very godmothery to him. Like, she, she played it really well. I liked it a lot. Well, she was a fairy godmother in a Cinderella story. She was, but mm-hmm. I feel like that was after this. I don't know, but we should watch that one. Too. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah, so these two books are basically fantasy and adventure are the two books. And they're basically trying to convince Macaulay Culkin, like, a.k.a. Richard, that, you know, they'll help him get out of the animated world and through the library as long as they agree that he'll check them out when he gets out. And he'll, like, he'll bring them home. The books want to leave the library. Mm-hmm. They yeah. want to be read and checked out by other people. Yeah. One cool little transition scene is while they're, like, making this deal, I think it's Adventure opens the Hounds of Baskerville, and, like, the dog jumps out and starts chasing them, and they have to hop through the bookshelves, which brings them to the horror section of the library. Yeah. And so now it doesn't look like a library anymore. Now it's, like, a scene from a horror book. Yes. It's kind of an, an amalgam of a bunch of different horror books. Yeah. And they see... High above the haunted-looking creepy house mansion is the exit sign. So they conclude that Adventure, Fantasy, and Richard have to go through this creepy house to get closer to the exit of the library. Yep. So they walk up to the house, and they see on the mailbox, it says, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. And Fantasy's like, oh, it must be a duplex. Really good joke. Yeah. That was a good joke. So as they're about to get into the house, they're confronted by another book. His spine is beat up. He's a horror book, essentially. His name is yeah. Horror. He kind of sounds like Frankenstein a little bit. I think yeah. he was inspired a lot by like... I think that's what they were going for, yeah. Some type of Frankenstein. So they get in the house. It's obviously very creepy. And they run into Dr. Dreckel. And he offers them like an alcoholic beverage. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the books start fighting over who's going to get the drink and it spills over and it like melts through the floor and you realize that this drink is probably not good for you. Not safe for consumption. No. And Dr. 
Jekyll, though, still drinks his cocktail and surprise, surprise, turns into Mr. Hyde. I don't know. It was just, there was like this scene where they're trying to fight off Mr. Hyde. And this is obviously a scene from the mural that we saw earlier. Mm -hmm. It's hard to describe this conflict because it didn't really feel like conflict. Like Mr. Hyde ends up like getting hit by a chandelier that the book horror knocks down. He like falls to the floor and... They get away. <laughs> they get away. Like, Richard, like, at one point, Horror was stuck in the chandelier and being, like, dragged into the pit, and Richard was too scared to free him, so the book Fantasy had to instead, mm-hmm. just kind of showing Richard's still kind of a scaredy cat. It was very, like, low-stakes type conflict for me. Yeah, very low. Nothing really happens. So then they, like, traipse through the haunted house, and all these, like, famous scary books are on the shelves, and, like, there's ghosts flying around. Including The, the Shining. That was one I wasn't expecting, because it was so much more recent. The Shining thing, I think it came out in the 60s or 70s. Everything else that a lot of the other ones that we've seen were like very, very early because they were in like the like their copyright had expired. Yeah. But Stephen King is a pretty chill guy. Yeah. It was just interesting to me to see The Shining there. He does that thing like for film students, they'll give them like full rights to his books to use to practice making films and stuff. Yeah. He's pretty cool. But yeah, they very easily get through the horror section. Yeah. And it wasn't very scary. I guess yeah, it could be scary for a kid, though. Yeah, I think I was, like, a little creeped out. Because, like, especially Hyde, he looked kind of creepy. He didn't look like a human. I was confused no, as to, like, like a monster. what they're trying to make him be. Yeah. Anyway, they get through the horror section, and now they're in Adventureland. So, basically, they're going to sail the high seas. The book Adventure is taking the lead here. He's very excited. This is his home territory. So, they get into this little wooden rowboat and they like row onto the ocean and richard is obviously very scared he's like the water is choppy we should go back the book is like no we can do it it's gonna be great and this is where we kind of run into like moby dick as a book Mm -hmm. we see i don't know the actual main character of moby dick captain ahab yeah he is in his little boat and he's hunting down the white whale and during this tussle with the white whale their boat actually capsizes and richard in a very titanic type scene uh, crawls onto like this wooden door type looking thing and unfortunately only the book adventure makes it to him and adventure shares i think that you know fairy tale and horror are down with davy jones i tried to find them and i couldn't underwater yep and richard is like they were my only friends and he gets pretty mopey however the adventure is not over they're very quickly circled by sharks They're saved by these two pirates in another boat who bring them to, like, the main big pirate ship, which is Captain Long John Silver's boat. Is Long John Silver, like, a famous literary character? Or is Mm -hmm. he just um, a restaurant? No, he's a literary character. Okay. What literary character? Like, what's he from? Treasure Island. Okay. I have not read Treasure Island. I wonder how... The author of Treasure Island would feel knowing that there's a famous fast food seafood chain named after his main character. Probably not great. I've never been to a Long John Silver's and I've also never read Treasure Island. I feel like I might have read Treasure Island or maybe like one of those kids versions of it. I don't remember. Yeah. I don't know. Anywho, we meet Captain Long John Silver, which feels (laughs) so ridiculous to say because I immediately think of the restaurant and not what he's actually famous for. And there's this one cute scene where Long John Silver is kind of like accusing them of stealing treasure or something. And he's like, 
you know, show me the color. I'm going to show you the color of your insides or something. Mm. And Richard's like, they're red. They're red. You don't need to cut me open. They're red. <laughs> yeah. So he accuses him of trying to steal his treasure. And he actually ends up throwing Richard's library card overboard when he like shakes him down. And this little shakedown is interrupted because there is land ho. They can see Treasure Island. Oh. They can see Treasure Island. They can yeah. see Treasure Island. <laughs> <laughs> So they leave the main pirate ship in these little boats and they all go to Treasure Island to look for the treasure. In the middle of the island with all the other pirates, there's like a, a mutiny pretty much because it turns out that the, the treasure chest is empty Yeah, in the middle. The treasure's already been taken by someone else. So there's a big scuffle and Richard and Adventure are actually saved by fantasy and horror who washed up on shore at this island. That's so nice. It is. How convenient. So great. So they're all reunited, all the pirates. I actually don't know what happens to the pirates. They just, like, it's, like, one of those classic little kid scenes where, like, they just happen to, like, beat them up by, like, swinging through the the trees and making the bad guys take out the other bad guys and stuff. It's, you know. Yeah. And the only person left, then, is Captain Long John Silver. Yep. And Richard ends up actually saving the day, picks up a sword, and threatens Long John Silver with the sword, yeah, basically. Yeah, scares him off. Scares him off back to his ship. Which is some character growth for Little How Richard. How courageous. Mm-hmm. Pretty great. Pretty wonderful. So the books are reunited with Richard. They kind of congratulate him on his newfound courage. Mm-hmm. And, like, Adventure insults horror and says he's never going to be a pirate. And, like, horror runs off and his feelings are hurt. And then, you know, Adventure finds Richard's library card washed up on shore on the beach. Which, mm-hmm. again, very convenient. He's reunited with the library card, which is confusing to me. They're acting like it's his ticket out of the library. Yeah, like he could probably just get another one. Be like, oh, yo, can I please get a new one? And then I'd like to check these books out. <laughs> like ty- typically the library reissues cards pretty regularly. Also, it's just a piece of paper. Yeah. Not even like. Laminated. Yeah. Which, how did it wash up on shore so nicely if it wasn't laminated? Even? It's a good question. And then we find out, too, they're like, oh, where's horror? And Adventure's like, oh, I might have been a little mean to him. So Adventure has to go find him. Horror was, like, strapped down by these little people in the sand. Like, these tiny little, like, inch tall. Yeah, this is a reference to one of them. Gulliver's Travels or something. I I can't remember what it is, but it's a reference to something. I figured it had to be. Yeah. And, like, Adventure, like, frees Horror. horror from, like, his being, like, tied down by these little tiny village people type creatures and they become friends and he apologizes for being mean to him and they decide to move on through the library together the last test now is going to be fantasy they're getting close to the fantasy section which is closest to the exit the exit sign is growing stronger there's a horrible horrible montage scene with a 90s adventure type song (laughs) yeah i knew you were gonna hate that as soon as it came on 90s interlude like just Terrible. Yeah. Terrible. But you had to put it in there. And then they get to the fantasy section and there's an earthquake. Psych. It's actually a stony dragon waking up from the rock. They're trying to escape the dragon in one piece. Fantasy is like, open my pages. Look to page 101. It's Arabian Nights. And they kind of. 1,000 and one. Huh? 1,000 and one. 1,000 and one. Whatever. She's a long book. She is a long book. And that was only like halfway through. So they pull out a page from Arabian Nights and they read it and like the magic carpet comes out, which is kind of cool using like tools from the books to escape. So they all get on the carpet, but then which I said, that's kind of like cheat codes to get your tools out of the book. (laughs) 
<laughs> sure. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever. They're flying away. The dragon knocks the carpet out of the air with his fiery breath. Richard is kind of like knocked up the mountain towards the exit sign, but mm-hmm. the books are kind of trapped below in a little crevice, and the dragon's like breathing fire at them, so they can't really escape. A uh, weird scene where adventure and fantasy the books kiss. Yeah. Very random. But Richard's like, I can't leave my friends behind even though I'm close to the exit. So he, like, takes a sword and a shield from, like, a dead knight, basically. Mm-hmm. And he goes to fight the dragon. Doesn't go well. The dragon swallows him. And he's, like, in the dragon's, like, fiery, acidic stomach. Lucky for him, there's a lot of books that the dragon has swallowed as well. So he starts reading the books to find, like, tools to escape. And he um, opens up Jack and the Beanstalk. And the beanstalk starts coming out of the book. And he rides the beanstalk up, 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 out of the dragon's mouth. Picks up his friends along the way. And then they ride the beanstalk all the way to the top of the summit of, like, this mountain-type thing to the exit. Yep. Where they are quickly reunited with the page master. Richard is super mad and yells at the page master and says, like, You almost killed me. Put me in all these dangerous situations. And the page master is like... Ah, but you gained courage and you faced your fears. Mm-hmm. And Richard was like, yeah, I guess. And um, the page master makes a twister, a tornado, and <laughs> shoots shoots Richard back into reality. Mm-hmm. Richard wakes up. Mr. Dewey, the librarian, is next to him saying, oh, you took quite a spill. And um, laying next to his unconscious body are three books. Fantasy, adventure, and horror. And Richard's like, I need to check these out. And Mr. Dewey's like, no, library policies, you can only take out two books at once. And Richard is very upset because he's like, I promised them I would check them out. And Mr. Dewey is like, I'll make an exception for you. So he gets to check out all three books. What a ridiculous policy. I don't know a single library that puts a cap on how many books you're allowed to check out like that. Tons of them. I think that's actually pretty darn standard. Not that low, though. Maybe not two, two, but almost all libraries have a limit. Well, yeah, but, like, the one by us is, like, 20 books. Yeah, I don't know what the limit is. I'm just saying. Two books, That that does happen. Two books? That's ridiculous. Anyway, Richard's a changed man. On his way back to his house, he rides the ramp on the bike. That was the snapshot memory I had from this movie. That and horror getting tied down. Oh, him, like, jumping the ramp? Yep. His parents are out looking for him. They come home. They're concerned. They're like, maybe we should call the police. It's been a while. And they find Richard passed out asleep inside his treehouse, reading his three books. He did it. Nailed it. And then that night, the books kind of talk to each other, even though it's real life now. We get to say goodbye to them. Yep. And that's the movie. Yeah. So as we were going through the uh, the recap, especially, I think the most frustrating thing about this movie is it had all these cool ideas And it literally just spent like 30 seconds on them and then you never saw them again. Like even the person or not the personification, the all of the characterization that they did very early in the film that Richard is super scared of all this stuff. But it's not just like he's a scaredy cat. He has like all of the like statistical knowledge. They, They throw that out immediately. I think he only ever made one note about that when he was in animated land. And then he was just a wimp. He said like, oh, like 70% of accidents happen in households, like when they're going into the haunted house. Yeah. And then that was it. And and like, then like using opening the books and having stuff come out, it like very rarely happened. And you know, like there's so many 
little bits of this movie that were cool ideas. It, they just didn't tie it together at all. Yeah, I'm wondering if they didn't have rights to some of the books and that limited them. No, they were using all stuff that was in the public domain. That's true. Yeah, they only really opened the books, like, I can think of four times. The beginning with 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Yep. The scene with the Hounds of Baskerville. Yep. The Beanstalk at the end, and then the Arabian Nights. Yep. And that was it. Oh, and they opened up Alice in Wonderland, and the Queen jumped out and yelled at him. Yeah, but that was... Just a throwaway just joke. Just like a throwaway, yeah. Yeah, it's just like, ugh. And like, in this, the, the, the exact same vein... You know, I think they were trying to set up very early in the film, obviously, that the moral of the story was that Richard was going to find his courage. But like the payoff of that was lackluster at best. Yeah, it it wasn't like he like learned a life lesson or like learned how to think creatively and or like confronted his fears in a meaningful way. He just like went through these really quick flash scenes. And then like now he's not afraid anymore because he has friends. It was like try wizard tournament, but super light. Yeah. It was just, uh, it, it had a lot of interesting, cool ideas, and it just, it failed to to tie them all together, for sure. Yeah, my my first like is, it's a very cool idea. Yeah. Like, man. the idea is very cool. I just don't think it was executed well. Sad. Because mm-hmm. it was, it, it was a very cool idea, and lots of very cool ideas. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe partially the way you explained it might have hurt in the movie for me because i thought he was going to go into the books that's kind of, that's how i had remembered it is mm-hmm. well i mean they kind of do like he's in it was Jekyll more and Hyde, of, kind of it was he, more of like he was in a section of that library which i yeah. think also is a really cool idea but they didn't really like make that they didn't do enough obvious with it. yeah and like some of it was really cool like they would incorporate books into the the set design mm-hmm. and stuff so it like looked like library shelving but it was morphing into stuff like uh it was very creative and it had a neat vision it just like I think they were ugh. trying to do too much at once and it lost a lot it almost feels like they were thinking in their head People are going to know that the point of this movie is to make him courageous, so we have to add more. But if they had just been able to do that bit well, this would have aged dramatically differently because Mm -hmm. it's a kid's movie. You don't need all this nonsense going on. Mm -hmm. You need to have the little kid grow up and learn something, and it's fine. Yeah. I also thought the conflict in every single trial or test for him was just, like, extremely low stakes. Yep. And very disjointed. It was just way too snapshotty of those books where it was like, oh, yeah, remember Moby Dick? It's a whale. Cool. Now let's move on. Oh, and the whale's going to capsize his boat. Okay, now there's me shark circling him. Okay, wait, no, now there's pirates. Like, that yeah. all happened in, like, 30 seconds. Literally, it was so fast. I was just like, oh, my God, who is who's the actual villain here? I don't know, like, what I should be worried about for him. Yeah. And, like, the exit sign, being their North Star and, like, being the motivation to go through the world and all this stuff. Like, it was cool, neat ideas that they, like, started to be able to deliver on, but then they just didn't fully flesh anything out. Well, we saw the exit sign when he was in the horror section and then really not again until he was in fantasy. I don't think they saw it in adventure. They saw it in advent- when they were going into adventure, but then the sun started to go up, so it obscured it. Okay. So then they were kind of like lost. I see. But like, that was cool. That's interesting. Oh, it's only visible at night, but like, I don't know. And then like we were saying a little bit, I think one of the most disappointing parts of this movie is that animation was completely all over the place. Mm-hmm. The backgrounds were gorgeous most of the time. They were really good, but anything that moved was terrible. There's no, There was literally no shading on the main characters. They looked like they were glowing. Yeah, they did. 
They did. It was awful. They did. I am not an animator. I know it's probably a very hard job and it takes lots and lots and lots and lots of hours to do something, but the animation quality was very poor. Like even the movement was kind of like stilted looking. And you know what was probably the most frustrating part? In the scene that you hated with the song, mm-hmm. they had the like firefly dancers land in his hand and twirl around. That animation was tremendous. It was really friggin' good. Mm-hmm. That was the only time Richard actually had shadows on his face, too. Like, it was ridiculously high quality. So clearly they had people capable of drawing. And they just couldn't pull it out for the rest of the movie. It, it was it was probably the, the worst animation we've watched in this rewatch. I would literally put this lower than, like, B-tier Saturday morning cartoons. Oh, yeah. There's some Saturday morning cartoons that have much better animation. No, like, even the crappy Saturday morning cartoons were still higher animation quality than this. It's just, it's wild. Because they clearly showed that they could animate with that one throwaway scene, and they clearly showed that they could draw with the quality of the all the backgrounds being sensationally high. They just, like, didn't try. They just literally didn't try to put any shadows. It's a bummer, anything. too, because so much of this movie was like trying to do like it's based on like story building right like trying to create this like fantasy imagination world and it kind of like took me out a bit yeah what i wrote was that all the characters look like a bad instagram filter (laughs) that's actually a pretty good description though i mean like literally they'd be walking into like the dark house and they're glowing like sepia yellow you're not wrong you're not (laughs) wrong the hell are you guys doing anyway we just we went from one like of cool idea to a ton of dislikes. Is there anything else you do like about this movie? A couple. So the music was pretty damn solid. Mm-hmm. The book puns were pretty funny. Like the, she called him a misprint and a short story. At one point, Adventure said that he was dog-eared to horror. So like they had like little puns that were cute and fun. Yeah, I liked the one scene where Richard was being a coward. They're like, even books have spines. Yeah. I thought that was good. A lot of good book puns. And... You know, I I did just say all of the animation was awful, but some of it was great. Some real, some of it really looked good, and it had wicked cool ideas, like how they incorporated the books into the background. Like at one point when they're leaving horror and going into adventure, they're walking down this like stone cliff, and all of the steps they're going down are are books. Mm-hmm. Like it was cool. It was very imaginative, and sometimes they could deliver on it, and when they could, it was really cool. Mm-hmm. Like almost all the set pieces in the animated movie were, were 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 really really good, and then the opening was great. If they could like cut out all the animated stuff and just take that opening and make it a different movie, I would have watched it. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to see this be like redone. Yeah, with the idea. I think I think like if they had another shot. Oh my god! I think somebody a good studio could take this and make a really great movie out of it. I could see that. Like a really great movie. I could see that. Or even, you know what, I think like a short Netflix series of like six to eight episodes targeted at little kids, but where you actually like spend like each each episode is a genre. So there's an adventure episode and a horror episode and a fantasy episode. That'd be pretty and cool. you go through like two to three books and it's like 40 minutes each episode. I think it would be incredible. I think it would be wicked, wicked, wicked good. Netflix, are you there? Yeah, Netflix. Are you there? You got that one for free. That's a that is a free <laughs> gonna, present from Kyle. Gonna give that one to you, and then uh, any new ideas, we'll charge you. Yeah, but like actually, the the ideas, this the 
the backbone of this film had so much promise. And I think that's why it's so frustrating is because it just can't, it couldn't tie it together. And it doesn't feel like it would have been exceptionally hard to do. Mm-hmm. Like a Jumanji type story, you know, where you get four kids sucked in. Yeah. And they have to get out. Oh my gosh, it would be so but much fun. But instead of a board game at the library. And it like flashes back to the real world every once in a while and their parents are all worried where they're at and stuff. Like you could do so much with it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't think the parents will be worried. Most movies, the parents don't really care that much. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I'll call up the neighbor. Have you seen Tommy? Well, let me know if you do. I don't know. You want some cake? <laughs> yeah, actually, I do. I would love cake. <laughs> uh, and then the voice acting was most of the time really, really, really solid. I mean, um, you can, they got a ton of super talented people. So that's yeah, where all their money went. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I said Macaulay Culkin does it again. I Because he did acting in the beginning and the end and he's still wicked young yeah and he did a great job in the live action but even his voice acting was pretty good yeah i thought his voice acting was great he's good he's really good whoopi goldberg did a great job obviously sir patrick stewart i don't know if he was a sir then he was great was he adventure i think so yeah who was horror i think that was leonard nimoy i'm not 100 percent sure though okay yeah the voice acting was good i mean it's to be expected though yeah I have a couple of squiggly lines. My uh my mess if you're if you don't have any more likes. Not really a like just as we're talking about parents. Yeah. Kind of in this particular case, I said this kid needs to enter the concussion protocol. <laughs> yeah. Very badly. None of the adults are concerned that he hit his head. Well, they don't know. Fantasized about all of this weird animated stuff and then passed out and slept in his Treehouse. What he bothered- seems high risk for a concussion, to be honest. Planning on that marble floor like that. Oh, for sure. And then napping <laughs> and all those like weird visions and stuff. I think he needs to go to the doctor. What bothered me more was that he's sleeping up in the in the treehouse and his mom takes his glasses and brings them inside. It's like, the dude's got to get, get out. He's got to get down. What are you doing? <laughs> well, he's brave now. He can do it. Blind. But yeah, I have some like mess. Okay. So, like I said, the paint special effects weren't terrible. They aged okay. And then there were some really fun literary references, but they're meh for me because there's no way kids would have got them. So, like, when when they go into horror and they go inside of the the creepy mansion, a raven swoops down at them and says, nevermore. I thought of that as those things were for the adults. They could have been. And, like, at, at one point, he has a really big book fall on him that he has to pick off, and it's Atlas Shrugged. Like, yeah, he, he stands up, and he pushes it up with his shoulders. Yeah. And it's Atlas Shrugged. Yeah, pretty cool. So there was, like, some of those that were really, really neat. But, it was like I said, it was kind of meh because, like, you know what? Maybe this is why it was meh for me, is because the, when they were making very explicit literary references like Moby Dick, they sucked so bad that it was, like, I would have rather they didn't have Nevermore and stuff if they just, like spent a little more time making the actual literary references for little kids good. See, I like those little like throwaway references a lot because I felt like those were some of the best parts of the movie because it was clever and like well, it wasn't as in your face. I feel like a lot of the other stuff was very in your face. So I kind of like the little throwaways for you to catch. Yeah, that's fair. Eggs. They, I, they I were cute. That part. They were pretty cool. And I like picking out all the book titles on the shelves of all the different yeah. books. Like, there's little details in the movie that were great. And I think those are some of the things that you're saying are meh. I think those are some of the things that were great. Yeah. No, that's that's definitely fair. This leads me into one of my strongest dislikes, though. There's just, like, 
there's no message in this movie. No. You don't see why he's more courageous at all. You don't buy it. So that's a big miss. You don't really care. But it also, like, they're setting up the... Maybe they weren't intentionally trying to do this, but and maybe it's also because we literally just watched Matilda. But in Matilda, a big part of the story is, like, books are cool, TV's bad, right? hmm I think I would have loved to see this movie push books and reading a little bit harder and have that be, like, him learning lessons from the books, specifically giving him, like, unlocking that thing to go to the next world and that's why he's, like, more courageous. Like, if he learned a specific lesson in horror and learned a specific lesson in adventure that tied back to books and then kids would be like, dude, I want to read that book. I think that would have been such a cool direction to take this movie. Yeah. Yeah. There wasn't, like, any solid lessons that he really learned in each trial. It was kind Not of just like, he escapes by the skin of his teeth and, like, he's still kind of a coward. You know what yep. I mean? Like... In adventure, he just points a knife at someone and they run away. He's like, I'm courageous now. Yep. That doesn't seem like a a lesson necessarily. No. But yeah, going back to that, even at the end of the movie, he like checks out the books, not because he wants to read them, but because they're his like, quote unquote, friends. He wants to snuggle them. (laughs) It has nothing to do with him like wanting to read more. Yeah. If if he had fallen asleep with, like, the books open all around him or something like that, even just that would have been a big plus for me. That's how low the They're stakes are in this They're just stacked in the corner of his treehouse. <laughs> He's not even reading them. I don't know. Yeah, like, it would have been really cool if he had to, like, solve a Jekyll and Hyde-related problem. And then he learned a lesson from that. And he, like, had an impact on that world. And that's how his friends got out of the Harry situation. I think that would have been so cool. And... Most frustratingly, that's not that friggin' hard to pull off. I think, too, like, he's supposed to pass this test in each place, right? And in the horror one, the only thing he does is go in the house. Like the, run away. The, the books <laughs> solve all the problems for him. Yeah. You know, he just has to exist and, like, survive through that space. Which I understand, like, he's scared. So he's not going to just, like, off the bat start slaying. You know what I mean? But... It felt like he didn't really do anything in that scene. He was just along for the ride. Yeah. So I don't know. He didn't really pass the horror section for me. No. Yeah. But like having some sort of lesson and like making it feel like he grew up actually would have like really, really, really helped the movie. Yeah. Like I think that I, just adds to the fact that it just felt very disjointed. Super disjointed. And it's probably because there wasn't any, like you said, lessons and like it was very quickly moving through these Mm-hmm. Like little mini things throughout each section. And again, the stakes were pretty low. Well, I think back to another animated film that we watched. that was four very little kids in the land before time. Every time his his group got into trouble and something happened, they solved it in a meaningful way. Like mm-hmm. there was a very obvious takeaway from it. That was a quick know? movie. And that was also almost, equally as long. Yeah, that's what I was going to say is the, the lengths are almost identical. You, mm-hmm. It is possible to put those those messages in, in a very, very tight time frame. Yeah. Well, I feel like where it struggled, though, because it was a tight time frame and they had these three sections where you're supposed to face these tests. Yep. I think the problem was in each of these sections, horror, adventure, and fantasy, they tried to squeeze way too much into each one. Especially adventure. Especially adventure. So there wasn't really time for it to develop into some kind of lesson it wasn't like one thing to really overcome it was like multiple yeah things and that that were like really quick 
And it was just all surface level because that's all they had time for. Exactly. So I think if they had a little bit more time to flush out some of these things and like maybe take out a couple less literary references and just focus on one book. Yep. It could have been a little bit better. Yeah. I don't know. And the beginning was very confusing for me. That the opening scene when he's first animated and like he's meeting these books. Yeah. Because you you hear the page master say he has to be fantasy horror and adventure but then i it was like kind of confusing how that was going to be introduced because he was just kind of going to the library and these books were jumping out at him yeah and i was just i feel like the setup wasn't super smooth i'm having a hard time explaining it because i am confused yeah i mean it was literally that's why it feels like it was like 60 percent done in the storyboarding phase they just like didn't tie it together and i think it would have exposed some of these things that were kind of lackluster hmm I'm done. I feel bad complaining about it. Those are like, I mean, there's a lot of things I didn't enjoy, but those are like kind of like most of them. And I I feel like I don't want to keep tearing it apart. I don't know. Is there anything else you want to add? I think, you know, at the beginning of this section, I said, it's really hard for me to think about who I would recommend this to. And I think that's the hardest takeaway, because like most of the time with movies that even the ones that we think didn't really age all that well, we're like, hey, if you got little kids, they'll have a lot of fun with this. Maybe kids will have fun with this one still, but like, well, the animation quality is it, it really sticks out like a sore thumb right now. But especially I, I, I even hesitate to do that because it's not even like a valuable use of your kids screen time because they don't really learn anything. I think that's what's probably disappointing me the most right now. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. You look very sad. You look okay. very sad right now. It's just uh, what I remember about it from as a kid was that promise. The, the promising bits of this that now watching it as adult, an adult, it's very clear they didn't get to deliver on. And it just makes me sad because I think it could have been a really good movie. Mm-hmm. Like it, they had all of the ingredients that they needed. They just uh, weren't able to to deliver on it. And like, you know, we talked a lot about a lot, a lot of negative stuff. But like the promise is there. It's intriguing. It sets itself up pretty well and it just can't deliver. And it's so sad because I loved it. I mm-hmm. loved it as a kid. My nostalgia was getting peaked here and there, but, like, not enough. Yeah. Well, it's not a surprise, but this one's a milk for me. It's a milk for me as well. I can't in good faith give this a wine. Especially no. after giving a Matilda a milk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it just, it really does, it it, it does stick out, uh, the difference between this movie and other kids' movies. Yeah, yeah. I feel bad. I feel like you're very sad. But I, I can't, I can't I give it a wine to make you happy. I'm sorry. I can't it's lie to you. okay. <sighs> this was probably, like, going back and watching nostalgic movies, though, this was probably the one that, like, stings the most because it was, like, really tough to pull out things I like about it beside, like, the promise of what could be good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was not a lot of likes for me. Like, the Rugrats movie, right? That one had things about it that we didn't think aged as well and stuff. Like, it was, I still had fun watching it for the most part. Night and day. Night and day. This one kind of falls around, like, under wraps for me. I'm just like, yeah, I didn't really have any fun watching it. But it's, it's like, even worse. I enjoyed under wraps more, and that (laughs) was still milk. But, yeah. This one was super sour. Pretty milky. This is the milkiest, one of the milkiest milks, if not the milkiest of milks. I knew when we were going into it, and I saw that budget, and I saw what it brought in, I was like, oh, (sighs) wow. Had a twenty when we were firing up the movie. I had a twenty three percent on Rotten Tomatoes. I think it was twenty one even. Oh, it's really low. <laughs> really low. All right. Well, let's not perseverate on this. Yeah, and, and like I said, 
you know, we like to say, who who would we recommend this for? If you've seen it before and you're just curious to see what you think, maybe watch it again because it's only like an hour. But I have a hard time recommending saying that this is above other types of movies that you could be watching, that this is a good use of your time. I recommend it to no one. Yeah. My official recommendation is don't watch it. Well, rip to Page Master. Um, what are we going to be watching next? Hopefully something uh, that's a little more promising. I am very confident that the next movie I recommend is a wine. Okay. What are you, what are we watching? It's timely. It's timely. It's a timely movie. Okay. I'm very excited for it. All right. We're going to be watching Groundhog's Day. Oh, that's really fun. Yes. Cool. Bill Murray. So hopefully now the next movie that we watch is going to be better. What are we watching? Get into Groundhog Day joke. Oh my God. Yeah. It took me a second. I'm like, are you having a stroke? (laughs) Your face. Oh, I wish we had like recording of this. Jess's face was literally like, the hell are you doing, dude? <laughs> it's like, are we doing a retake? Did someone cough? Like, I didn't, I didn't cough. That's crazy. Yeah, no. Um, so what's the next movie that we're watching? Groundhog's Day. <laughs> Bill Murray. I'm really excited. I agree. I think that this is probably going to be a wine. It's really fun watching back. Movies that have really, really, really strong actors, especially after we watch a movie like this. It's like a palate cleanser. I'm wondering if there's like a bump and I'm going to view it as much better than it actually is because of what we watched before. It could be. You know? But it's similar to when we watched uh, Mrs. Doubtfire. It was just so refreshing to watch something that was just so obviously good. I kind of feel like Groundhog Day is going to be in that boat. It's going to be a good palate cleanser, I think. And also it's going to be Groundhog Day around that time. So I figured... Very cool. What better time to watch this classic movie? I love this movie so much. I watched it last with you. I think we were at my dad's house, like, years ago. I I love this movie. I haven't watched it recently, but I used to watch it all the time growing up. I've only seen it, like, once or twice, so I'm going in less familiar with it. But, I mean, I watched it within, like, the last five years, I think. But I'm wicked pumped, because it's really funny. I think you're going to enjoy it. And I think the one thing I love about this movie, it It's very funny, and I think it does character growth very well. Yeah. And it's very simple. It has its one thing. It iterates on it in lots of different ways, but it keeps that core narrative loop really strong. And I think right now, that'll be really refreshing. Also, what a ridiculous premise for a movie. (laughs) Like a ridiculous premise for a movie. Oh, it's wonderful. Uh, I'm I'm pretty excited. This will be a good one. Yeah. So, Groundhog's Day next week. Both in real life and on this podcast. Yep. Let's see. Six more weeks of winter or not. I don't know. Austin is already spring, so. Six more episodes of wine. Ooh. Ooh. (laughs) I like that. But yeah, if you like what you're listening to, you can check us out on pretty much any podcasting platform. Yeah. We have social media at Winer Milk Podcast on Instagram, at Winer Milk on Twitter. We have www winermilkpodcast.com well it's www dot you gotta put that dot it's not www winermilk that'd be confusing yeah <laughs> I, I messed up i'm sorry i don't know i thought that I was like say. i thought that was assumed but well because it starts with a w it could have been confusing well you know what they say about assuming right don't do it don't do it <laughs> uh we have facebook yep facebook.com slash winermilk I think that's it. Oh, you can reach out to us via email. If you mean questions, comments, concerns, compliments. Or 
recommendations of movies that we should watch. For sure. clearly Kyle needs help. Kyle needs a lot of support here. Yep. <laughs> uh, like a lot of support here. Yeah, and that email address is winermilkpodcast at gmail.com. You got it. Nailed it. Perfect. Crushed it. And, you know, if I got it wrong, we can just Groundhog's Day and say it again. <laughs> so what are we watching next? Groundhog's Day. <laughs> this wow. is going to get old. Oh, man. Well, thank you all so much for listening. Uh, have a wonderful day, and we'll see you next week. Take care. <laughs>